This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. The president this week also tweeted about the deep state. Um, is there a deep state at the CIA? No, sir. Has there ever been one? So I've only been there for a little while. I can't, I can't believe that it has ever been there. These are, these are professionals who, who sacrifice so much to serve America. Uh, they're patriots of the truest and highest order. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters, where your security matters most. I'm Paul Violis, and this is a CBS News Radio production. Big thank you for everybody hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, the comments that you've left at cbsaudio.com are great. I really appreciate that. As you know, I really want to make sure that this belongs to all of you out there. So when there are things that are keeping you up at night, when you want some clarity and you need some information pertaining to all the things that we have to deal with on a daily basis, write us, let us know. Today, clearly no exception to that. Based on your requests, and they have been many for clarity on this issue that seems to be adding more of a divide to our country, which God knows we don't need any more of. Um, and I'm talking about the subject of the deep state. And, and once again, we find something where uh, a lot of you wrote in, uh, several thousand actually, on what does impeachment mean? And, and we were very fortunate to um, have my colleague, Dane Rosenblum, jump on and give us some great commentary on that. Uh, today, we, we are joined by two spectacular public servants, people that will set the record straight, tell the truth, because that's the only thing that I had to do, um, have served our country with honor, integrity, and distinction from day one, and continue to do that, um, and our educators, in a very, very broad stroke, our educators about what's right and wrong in this country. So um, today, you're really going to have a treat. And before I introduce these fine gentlemen, I, I just want to do a little benchmarking on this subject of deep state so that we're all kind of on the same page. Bearing in mind the gentlemen I'm going to introduce, they will forget more than I will ever know on this subject and probably everything else. But I just want to start us off so that at least we're all on the same page, especially in light of some of the comments that I got on this. So in the United States, the term deep state is typically used to describe a conspiracy theory. Uh, normally suggests that collusion or cronyism exists within the U.S. political system and constitutes a hidden government, if you will, within the legitimately elected government. Now, some people believe that there's a hybrid association of elements of government and parts of top-level finance and industry that are effectively able to govern the United States without reference to the consent of the governed, as expressed through the formal political process. Whereas Others consider the deep state to encompass corruption prevalent among career politicians and civil servants. I can go on and on from people and opinions that have been written, scholars 
that some see it as conspiratorial. Some see it as it doesn't exist. Uh, I mean, real learned people in this country. We even had the, um, I would say, famous or infamous former NSA leaker Edward Snowden weighed in, weighed in on, this, on, on this subject as well. Suffice to say, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of controversy there. And from your writings and the things you've said on social media and the incredibly large amount of emails that you sent in uh, to me directly that I got, um, there's a lot of angst over this. So uh, with that being said, I want to introduce our first guest. And, and when I say treat, there's, that's, that's an incredible understatement. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm talking about Mr. John McLaughlin. And Mr. McLaughlin is a distinguished practitioner in residence in the Merrill Center for Strategic Studies at the famed Johns Hopkins University. He was the deputy director for intelligence at the world's most sophisticated intelligence agency. I'm talking about the CIA, where he, his career spanned over 30 years, 30 years of exceptional government service. A little piece about this extraordinary man's resume, just so everybody to know. In the late 1980s and the early 90s, he served as director of the Office of European Analysis during the period marked by the fall of the Berlin Wall. Talk about history and the collapse of communism in Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union. To show how colloquial and caring this man is about his colleagues, he also founded the Sherman Ken School for Intelligence Analysis, an institution dedicated to teaching the history, mission, and essential skills of the analytic profession to new CIA employees. Those of you that know me and, they know, and you know my background, uh, growing up inside uh, a good portion of my life in the intelligence community, and you know how I feel about that. Gathering intelligence, ladies and gentlemen, is the backbone to American safety, bar nothing. Uh, as we are about to approach uh, Veterans Day, and, and you know how much that, that I revere our veterans, military success would never come, ever, ever, without intelligence. The contribution this man has made is extraordinary. He also served as a U.S. Army officer in the 60s and did a tour in Vietnam. His accomplishments widespread, but some things that I want you to understand about him before I introduce him is, and this is just a sampling, but Mr. McLaughlin is the recipient of the Distinguished Intelligence Community Service Award and the National Security Medal. Incredible. He's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, the American Academy of Diplomacy, and a non-resident senior fellow at the Brookings Institute, Institution and chairman of the CIA Officers Memorial Foundation. I can go on and on, but suffice to say that when we have a gentleman like this weighing in on this subject, we all need to take a minute and we need to listen. Mr. McLaughlin, I can't tell you what a privilege it is to have you on. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. After that introduction, I'm I'm a little overwhelmed here. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you, and I can say on behalf of everybody at CBS News Radio, we're honored. I want to jump right into this, sir. Um, I mean, you heard a little bit about my benchmarking on the subject. Uh, the deep state, what is that? Well, you know, the interesting thing, Paul, is that uh, it's certainly not a concept that I made up, nor is it a concept that I ever heard or articulated or heard articulated um, before the last couple of years uh, with all of the controversy in our country. Uh, I actually don't know who originated the idea. It, I think, came out of uh, the conservative end of the spectrum. It clearly represents a kind of uh, conspiratorial mindset about what goes on and how things happen. Uh, 
what I can tell you is that um, that that this this may be a little disappointing to many. That there really is no deep state. It's it's an imaginary concept. If I were to describe um, the colleagues I've worked with, I would say maybe deep commitment to the Constitution, uh, deeply patriotic. Uh, I ignited a little firestorm uh, the other day by, in the course of a uh, panel discussion at the uh, press club, uh, at a point when people were recounting the procession of people who've come forth to testify about concerns regarding uh, Ukraine policy, I made a casual remark meant more in sarcasm and uh, and uh, humor than anything else. I said, thank God for the deep state. And many people took that coming from me as some sort of affirmation that, oh my God, there really is such a thing. No, I was really borrowing this conspiracy theory that people have and of tossing it out as a label to in 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 describing uh, people who quite courageously have uh, come forward and said what they actually thought the whole time I was in government uh, all that that you mentioned yes sir uh, no one ever used that term uh, no one ever turned to me and said um, uh, how does it feel to be in the deep state? No, no one thinks that way. If anything, most of us in government are not conspiring. Uh, most of the time, we're profoundly at odds about things, arguing about things, debating things, uh, putting varying ideas on the table, uh, trying to come to a consensus. So there's no kind of conspiracy. There's no kind of uh, cabal uh, to control things, um, and I don't know what more to say about it. Well, it, it simply it, it it simply is not something that exists. What's really fascinating to me is that um, oftentimes, and I'm a member of the media, which still kind of shocks me for a little, for a while, but I I find that sometimes these sound bites are more damaging than anything else. Um, you make a statement, someone else makes a statement, the next thing you know, no one knows what's said before that, no one knows what's said after that, but then we have an entire country. I mean, it, the thing that blows me away is, and, and I'm listening to everything you're saying, and I completely agree with you, but yet the rhetoric continues, right? And sometimes... Well, here, right? here, here, here's the thing. Uh, the, this term has become, for many people, uh, a way of explaining uh, a whole set of grievances they may have. It's a way of um, making some something rational out of a series of things that seem to them uh, impossible to imagine in any other way uh, unless they are somehow coordinated. So it's an imaginary scapegoat. Yeah, I tried. Uh, and once you put a label on something, it acquires a reality that it may not have in fact. Uh, you know, I tried at that event the other night, uh, if anyone had looked at what I said in context, later on in the event, I said quite clearly that there's no such thing as a deep state. Um, the people who are now being labeled deep state are simply people who have a point of view and are coming forward to express it during a very, very partisan time. And so, um, people tend to try and put a label on all of that, but I, I'm sorry, it's just not there. I think I said at another point in that event 
that the uh, notion of a deep state is, I use the word sophomoric. It's the most sophomoric idea I ever heard. I think it was originally, at least in my memory, thrown around by Steve Bannon, the early Correct. counselor in the Trump administration. Right. And I, I thought then, you know, th- this is a silly way to describe what I've always regarded as simply government service. What we're talking about here is the American civil service. It's that simple. The deep state, if someone wants to, you know, kind of take the parentheses off of it and and describe what it actually is, first, as I said a few minutes ago, there is no such thing. But what we're talking about here are all of those people in our government who do the sorts of things that serve the American public. Uh, Social Security, Medicare, Health and Human Services, Veterans Affairs, the CIA, the State Department, uh, Defense Department civilians, some military officers perhaps. These are the people who dedicate their lives to serving the American people. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And if you disagree with the policies that are coming out of a duly elected government uh, and you want to put a label on them, this is a label that many people have chosen to put on them. But... um, it ain't the way things work. And it's, un- it's a little bit frightening, too, when you think about it, because, and again, from a very apolitical standpoint, we, whistleblower is not a political, it's not a partisan issue. Whistleblower was created many years ago, correct me if I'm wrong, in order to have some type of oversight about things and issues that are unjust, that aren't being brought to the attention of the authorities. Well, that's right. It's part of, if you see something, say something. And this is the Whistleblower Act is something that creates a process by which someone who believes they've seen something inappropriate can bring it forward in, a, in an adjudicated way. For example, in the case of the most recent famous whistleblower, right. uh, there's a process. You don't just toss it out there. You take it to a in this case, an inspector general who has been independently confirmed by the U.S. Senate, Republicans and Democrats, to adjudicate whether you have a serious um, issue or not. In this case, the inspector general said, yes, I've looked at this, I've talked to others, I've gotten some corroboration, this is a serious issue, we should move it forward. There are other times when an inspector general will look at a whistleblower complaint and say, nah, it doesn't quite rise to the level. That's, you have, a, you have a, an issue here, but it's a, more of a personal issue. It's not something that, is, that merits um, the attention of uh, a broad group of people in the government. So there's a process here mm-hmm. for adjudicating uh, complaints and issues that people want to, to raise. And the anonymity is simply to protect uh, those against retaliation, and I think what we're seeing now is the reason why that protection exists, as uh, inexplicably right. uh, senators of the United States government are calling for, and in some cases threatening, to basically violate the law of uh, anonymity for this whistleblower. Now, for the record, I also find that yes, you know okay. the country is so deeply divided. What right. strikes me here, I've been in, as you mentioned, I've been in government a long time. Yes, sir. I have not seen the passion and the uh, uh, frankly hatred that comes out on some of these issues that we see coming out now, and uh, very hard to explain that. We could, you know, maybe you should do a podcast with a sociologist to kind of take us through how that is happening, but. It's, uh, it's quite striking. Well, and it's disappointing. I mean, you mentioned something that I... Re- well, you mentioned everything that I, 
I find interesting. But one thing I really find interesting is that as you started to describe government, how, how different branches of the government will disagree and will contest one to the other, but they communicate. That's the beauty of the government. That's not a conspiracy theory. That is how we operate in government. To me, that's the, that's the purity of the communication that we need in order to govern. So I'm so... And, and any administration I've worked for, and I've worked for seven different presidents, I, in, in my last job, I was confirmed in the Clinton administration and worked through the Bush administration. Uh, so in any administration that I've worked in, uh, when it is correctly run, the, the leader of the administration the president and his staff the, in my field in national security, the national security advisor, stimulates debate, looks for differences of opinion, brings them out. The The aim being to give a president uh, options that may be quite different with the pros and cons attached for the president to make a reasonable decision. That doesn't come about through some sort of cabal or conspiracy or deep state. Frankly, it comes about through tough, hard, sometimes contentious argument among people uh, rather than some cabal or conspiracy. And I think that's a, a perfect seg- segue into uh, our, our, our next guest, um, who, Michael Levy, for those of you that don't know Mr. Levy, he is the chief of computer crimes at the United States, uh, United States Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. He has served in the United States Department of Justice since 1980. Started his career same year I did. As the chief of computer crime, Mr. Levy has prosecuted computer intrusion, computer fraud, theft of trade secrets, counterfeit goods, and federal crimes involving the sexual exploitation of children. Mr. Levy, it's a true honor and it's a privilege to have you with us today. Well, thank you very much. Uh, one one quick correction. Please. Um, I, re- I retired at the beginning of September, which is the only reason I'm free to do a podcast like this, well, because otherwise federal employees don't make comments on public issues unless it's involved directly in their work. An, an excellent point, and I'm so glad that you said that. And I also see that you are an adjunct professor at, at uh, the University of Pennsylvania, correct? That's correct. Beautiful. Well, Michael, thanks so much for joining us. You, you've been listening to my conversation with... Um, with Mr. McLaughlin. I want to come to you on this now. Your thoughts, uh, as, as someone who has, has served this country with honor and distinction, um, as a United States attorney, your thoughts, deep state, what is it? Well, I thought when I first started hearing the term, I, I had the same thought Mr. McLaughlin did, that it's a reference to the entire federal career service, the, you know, the bureaucracy of the government, the thing that makes government run from day to day. Um, I wrote an opinion piece that was published in the Philadelphia Inquirer on Sunday. And uh, as you probably know, you tend to get some emails in response to that. Uh, and I've had some other definitions come back at me, um, some going from, I don't know, the bizarre, such as uh, the deep state is really an alternate government run by open societies, billionaires, and globalists who see themselves as the rightful Greek god placeholders. <laughs> um, I'll put that to one side. Um, there are also those who talk about, it's, no, it's not people like you. It's only a very small percentage of people at the very top. Uh, and if that's true, that's not a very deep state. Um, most people at the top rotate in and out. 
Um, I mean, first, the, the very top people in any administration are political appointees. Uh, they last an administration and then they go. Uh, in the two agencies I have the most familiarity with, uh, the Department of Justice and the Department of State, uh, one of the great things was that those who get up to those political positions usually have had backgrounds in the career service, uh, and each party has got a good stock of people who can take on high-level positions uh, in these agencies and run them very well. What I think they're talking about are high-level people in the career service, but even in the FBI, people who end up in high-level positions don't stay in Washington the whole time. The FBI rotates people in and out. Uh, They move around the country. It's part of their almost an up-and-out program that you have to keep moving or else go back to be a line agent. So, I, I mean, I come back to, I think, the real reference is to all of those of us who were, you know, made our careers out of it. I spent 37 and a half years with the Department of Justice, served every president from Jimmy Carter through Donald Trump. Um, so that's what I see the, the service. And I, I have to agree with Mr. Brennan that there are a lot of times we disagree. And as he was talking, I was thinking about the tension that happens between justice and the intelligence agencies. The intelligence, the Justice Department, there are, will come a time in national security matters where a decision has to be made whether somebody should be prosecuted or not. And there's a huge fight that will go on internally between intelligence and, and the prosecution side of justice. The prosecution side of justice wants to prosecute someone. Uh, the intelligence side of the House does not want information to come out because if you give out information, you are risking uh, sources and methods, as, as they say. That is how we gather information right. and who, we gather, who we're getting the information from. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, there's this struggle that will go on between those two sides of the government uh, as to you know, what's the proper way to proceed. And we're hardly in conspiracy. We're not that good. Well, you know, and for the, a conspiracy to succeed, it's got to be small. Right. Well, that and, you know, the point that, that Mr. McLaughlin was making, which I, I'm going to come back to in, in a second with him, is that in, this is a this is a combination of of communications amongst colleagues from different agencies that sometimes agree and sometimes do not. Um, there's no conspiracy there. I, the, the other part that you just raised, which I think is is so important is that there's far too many people to have a conspiracy. And prosecutor conspiracies, if it gets too big, somebody's going to talk. Right. Well, and, and the other part that Mr. McLaughlin mentioned, you know, which I'm taking away from this, is a, a, great, a great phrase that I'm coming out of this is with imaginary scapegoat. So, but while I have you, Michael, while I have you, we're talking about this because of the process that was initiated out of the Whistleblower Act in light of what's going on right now on Capitol Hill. Um, as an attorney, as someone who spent over 37 years, you know, with the, with, the, with the Justice Department, as a former United States attorney, for the record, since we have everyone, you know, here at CBS Radio listening to this, the Whistleblower Act is a process, correct? Correct. And it's followed what you see right now. Please, however you see it, because it, it, I know it's going to be the, the, the truth and it's going to be the law. What you see right now, are they following a process? Yes. Is it the same process it would be for anybody else? Yes. Okay. Is there any- and it's the opposite yes. of, of what we saw with, with Snowden um, and with, with, with Bradley Manning. 
which was people who didn't like what they saw going on in the government. And rather than go through the, the normal processes, just decided to leak things. So for all of our listeners, and I'm going to come back to Mr. McLaughlin on closing thoughts here in a second. For all of our listeners, Michael, as a former United States attorney, as an officer of the court, what you see right now, this process is being followed in accordance with the law. Is that correct or is it incorrect? Absolutely. Okay. Very, and I, very. And I have to go ahead. And, and just I wanted to follow up with one thing Mr. McLaughlin said, which was I really have to admire the, the State Department people who have decided to come forward. Um, the one place I disagree with them is, is they're not um, coming forward because they have a point of view. They're coming forward because there are facts that they have that, that they need to disclose. And, and again, the point of, that I want to drive here is this. We are a nation of laws, and this is one of our laws. Uh, the Whistleblower Act was created many years ago for this very reason. I am not, and, and for, for the record, I am not a cheerleader for the president. I am not looking to burn him in effigy. I don't care who sits in the Oval Office. doesn't make a difference to me. You're the commander-in-chief. You're, you're my president. But if there's a law broken, if there's anything that we need to look into, we have created this law for that reason. So the process is the process. And the last thing we want to do is create this imaginary scapegoat so that now we're moving more towards, instead of being the advanced citizenship country that we are, we're moving more towards believing in conspiracy theories, which is counterproductive and adds to the divide in this country. Mr. McLaughlin, I want to come back to you. Your parting thoughts... Uh, on this particular subject that you would like to leave our listeners with? What would that be? Well, simply that we should not take refuge in simple-minded ideas like deep state to try and explain what's going on before our eyes, either on the left or the right. Um, you know, we're all citizens in this country. We all have equal rights. Uh, we have the right to express ourselves and to vote. Um, political differences are inevitable, uh, and we need to t treat each other with respect. Uh, I, you know, I have reservations and criticism about much that President Trump has done, but I also respect those who support him, and I understand why they support him. I've spoken with many of his supporters and uh, know quite a few of them well. Uh, so I I have respect for that point of view. Um, and we need to debate our differences in a civil way uh, without somehow accusing each other of being in conspiracies that uh, are intended to uh, force a particular outcome. Uh, and I, I guess those would be my concluding thoughts, other than to say once again that uh, what we're talking about here is America's civil service, uh, which is, for the most part, uh, stocked with and chock full of people who are uh, working to support and serve the American people. Brilliantly said. Wouldn't change a word. Thank you so much for that, sir. Mr. Levy, same question to you as we close. I'm going to heckle Mr. McLaughlin. I, I, I come from the, the background of being a, a trial lawyer as a prosecutor. I was also a defense lawyer. Um, I would fight my opponents in court under a set of civil rules that we would respect one another. We'd beat each other's brains out in course of a trial. 
Um, but there's more than one occasion where I finished a trial and while waiting for a verdict, gone out and had a beer with my opponent because we disagreed on everything, but we knew we were both fighting for the same ideals. He, he, and when I was a prosecutor, I was trying to put his client in jail, but we both had a system that we worked under. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. I think most people in the, in the civil service are hardworking. Are we perfect? No. I mean, nobody is. But I think most people try to do a good job every day, um, have a great deal of respect for this country, a great deal of respect for the law, and try to follow it. And you know what? You, you hit it right on the head. Michael, you hit it right on the head. It's our system. Uh, there's nothing infallible, but it's our system, and it works. And in fact, it's the greatest system in the world. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for that. Gentlemen, I want to, on behalf of everybody here at CBS Radio, I want to thank you very, very much for taking the time to join us today, for adding clarity, for bringing the truth out, for adding a lot of light to a subject that unfortunately has casted quite a few shadows uh, across our country of late. And I firmly believe that everyone who listens to this broadcast is going to be better for it, and they're going to sleep better at night because with, with both of what you have weighed in on this, you've brought not just clarity, but more peace of mind. And God knows we could use a lot more of that. So, Mr. McLaughlin, Mr. Levy, thank you both very, very much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll finish up. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Now, back to Security Matters with Paul Violas. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas. And that was... Mr. John McLaughlin, Mr. Michael Levy, uh, two extraordinary public servants, and a very frank conversation, ladies and gentlemen. And as we close, I want to point this out to everybody. You know, one of the things that I have fell in love with about radio, um, and as our general manager uh, points out, Craig Swagler, who's a great guy, um, you know, it's, it's, it's audio, right? Radio is a device. And he's right. I have to remember that. But one of the things that I've fallen in love with is the fact that we have the ability to set the record straight. We have the ability to weigh in on the truth, whatever the truth looks like, whatever it sounds like, we weigh in on that. And that's exactly what you just heard. John McLaughlin is an, an extraordinary public servant. He's a good man. Michael Levy, a phenomenal trial lawyer, 37 years in service to our country, U.S. Attorney's Office, a brilliant man. Neither one of these guys are interested in anything other than the truth. And what you heard today was the truth. All the comments that we had referenced the deep state. Let me close by saying this. It doesn't exist. It simply doesn't exist. There's no conspiracy theory there's no fourth level of government. There aren't people that are crowded around in a corner that are creating havoc and conspiring to take the country down or to remove the president. It's, it's just not the case. Look, uh, the last thing that I want to see is an impeachment proceeding. Why? Because I haven't seen anything that leads to that. But that's, that's me. I don't want to see an impeachment proceeding because it weakens the fabric of the country. And unless it's absolutely necessary, then you know what? It's not necessary. And I don't see it. But what I do know is that the Whistleblower Act was created because people in industry see things that are 
possibly life-threatening, that are destructive, and they needed an opportunity to come forward. That's why we created the Whistleblower Act. There is a process. You heard from a brilliant lawyer, a law professor from one of the greatest law schools in the world, University of Pennsylvania, tell you that this process is going exactly the way it should, and you heard that from a federal prosecutor from over 30 years of service. Again, I am not in any way, shape, or form coming after the president. I'm not. I, I, I don't do it. Regardless of whether they're a Republican or if it's a Democrat, if it was Obama or if it's President Trump, doesn't make a difference to me. Right? Facts are facts. You can't color outside those lines. And what you had today are the facts. And you had them from two, as I mentioned, extraordinary public servants and professionals. So sleep better at night on that one. If you have any questions, don't hesitate, as I know you won't, to write us to let me know. If you want to weigh on this further, go right ahead. But hopefully this brought the clarity that so many have been looking for. Um, on behalf of everybody here at Security Matters and certainly everyone at CBS News Radio, I want to thank you for listening. And please make sure... If you have a comment, go to cbsaudio.com and leave us a review. If you have anything, hit us up on um, any one of the social media net, uh, platforms, and you can always email me directly at violas.com. So on behalf of everybody here, thank you for listening. Be safe, be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.